although we're not saying natural biases are good. I mean, getting sick sometimes is natural, but we try to avoid it. So saying that it's natural is not the same as saying that it's good. I'm Joseph Scholz. Welcome to the Deep Culture Podcast, where we explore culture and the science of mind. This is a podcast for people who move between different cultural worlds. We talk about intercultural experiences, and we dig into the science and the psychology of culture and mind. And I'm here today with Yvonne Vanderpol. As usual, how are you doing today, Yvonne? Hi, Joseph. Nice to be here. I'm doing great. It's lovely and sunny weather here in the Netherlands. Here in Tokyo, I had a perfect spring day. There were cherry blossoms. You've seen my street lined with these cherry blossom trees, and they were fluttering. The petals were fluttering down. It was like the perfect image of Japan. Oh, wow. It seems like a fairy tale. I remember your street, but not with these beautiful pink <laughs> trees. Fantastic. Also, on my balcony, we have three tulips. So maybe there's a tiny bit of the Netherlands there. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I have them in my garden too. <laughs> so, Yvonne, what are we talking about today? Well, let's talk about bias. Bias. This is a powerful word. Uh, the word itself sounds bad. Yeah, it sounds like a criticism or even an accusation. Uh, and of course, to say someone is biased, it sounds like they're not seeing things clearly uh, or they that have some negative attitude or prejudice. Yeah, and we hear people talking about bias these days in discussions about prejudice, discussions about discrimination, inequality, and justice. But we're going to ask you to think about the word bias in a new way. Yes, we're going to be talking about cognitive bias, or we could say cognitive biases. And this is the, the many ways that our mind naturally takes shortcuts and judges things inaccurately or jumps to wrong conclusions. You say naturally? Yes, naturally, because from the perspective of cognitive science, in terms of mental functioning, bias is natural. It's the default setting. It's just the way that our minds work. Okay, so that means bias is not bias. <laughs> well, right. Bias is natural, so it's normal. It's unavoidable to have cognitive biases. So in that sense, bias is not bias. Bias is normal. Okay. Well, and we're going to talk about them today in this podcast because cultural bridge people need to know about them. They are super important in foreign situations or when dealing with cultural difference. So we're going to dig into this bias topic with three questions. What is bias? Why are they important across cultures? And what can brain and mind science tell us about them? So that brings us to part one. Bias, what's that? Mm 
bias, the action of supporting or opposing a particular person or thing in an unfair way. So that's a dictionary definition of bias. Yeah, so when we hear the word bias, we often think about prejudice. Perhaps it's a bit more accurate to say that prejudice is a particular kind of bias. In fact, there are many different types of bias. Right, and sometimes, for example, we hear the word implicit bias, which is one type of bias, and it refers to unconscious negative attitudes uh, about a certain category of person, for example. So we can be prejudiced without recognizing it. And there are a lot of questions about, about how to overcome prejudice. And because of that, understanding bias is really important. But when we're talking about bias in intercultural situations, we're not talking about prejudice exactly. We're talking about natural biases. And these are kind of mental shortcuts uh, that take us to wrong conclusions. Yeah. And that's a strange term, actually, natural biases. But in fact, the human mind is naturally biased. We are unavoidably biased. It's part of our how our mind works. Although we're not saying natural biases are good. I mean, getting sick sometimes is natural, but we try to avoid it. So saying that it's natural <laughs> is not the same as saying that it's good. No, of course. But to avoid them, we need to understand them. So we're going to look a bit more deeply at these natural biases. And from the brain-mind science perspective, in particular cognitive psychology, you would call these biases cognitive biases. Well, here's a Wikipedia definition for cognitive bias. A cognitive bias is a systematic pattern of deviation from a norm or rationality in judgment. Individuals create their own subjective reality from their perception of the input. Thus, cognitive biases may sometimes lead to inaccurate judgment. Wow, <laughs> that sounds complicated. <laughs> I like one part of that was systematic patterns of deviation from the norm. It, it makes me feel smart just to say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also like the part about individuals create their own subjective reality. Oh, that's deep. That sounds like part psychology and part philosophy. I, I make my own reality. Yeah, well, let's not go too far into outer space, but let's see what this means into everyday, in everyday life. Okay, let's see what this means in everyday life. And that brings us to part two, bias and the bicycle. Well, Joseph, let me tell you a story when I rode my bike years ago, and it's related to bias, actually. You're <laughs> you're into it? <laughs> I'm into it. So this is your this is your bicycle bias story. <laughs> yeah, I had a yellow bike riding through the cities of The Hague on a very okay. rainy day. And you know, the streets were not only wet but also extremely slippery. So all of a sudden I got caught in a tram track and bang. I so fell. this is like the wheel of the the wheel of the bicycle got stuck yeah. 
in the yeah, tram track, and and so that makes you makes the bike fall over to the side, right? Suddenly, yeah, usually I, I can catch my balance, but that time it was just too slippery. So bang, there I found myself. Well, actually, I fell hard, and I found myself there, sort of well, half sitting, laying on 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 the sidewalk, and you know, being a bit dizzy and and thinking, well, did I break something? sort of realizing this, what happened, and, and, you know, finding myself back, I heard this wonderful, tender, friendly voice saying, how are you? Are you okay? And, and please take your time. And, you know, so nice. And then at the moment I opened my eyes, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like stuck by a huge tattoo. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> there was like some mismatch. I, I didn't... Yeah, think of or didn't have the image of a person being so caring, also having this ton of tattoos, and it was this huge one that was an eye, and it was on top of his Adam's apple, and <laughs> also staring at me. <laughs> it, well, it, I, I still remember the details. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, it happened in a split second. It's amazing. Our responses. Yeah, I realize our responses to the world are so much influenced by previous experience, and. You know, I apparently had never received any positive messages about people having tattoos. Um, so it was right there on that spot, that sidewalk. And so this reaction that you had was based on previous experience and it was a reaction in the moment. And these are the kinds of biases that brain and mind sciences are teaching us about. They're teaching us that as humans, we are constantly constructing a view of the world and reacting to that based on our past experience. Our brain is a kind of predictive machine that is constantly anticipating, evaluating, judging, uh, wanting this, I don't want that. Yeah, let's admit, uh, you know, we're all full of judgments and evaluation. That's what we do the whole day, trying to get this, trying to avoid that. Those are our biases. And, you know, it's overly clear that our eyes are not cameras or our ears are not just microphones. Right. Our perceptions are not simply recording what is going on around us. We're always reacting based on our intuitive mind. The psychologist Jonathan Haidt talks about the intuitive mind like our beloved elephant, which carries us along while we go along for the ride. And our conscious mind is just justifying the path that it chooses and so in this case, you know, your intuitive elephant had this reaction to the tattoos. <laughs> On my yellow bike. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in this case, though, you were in a familiar environment and you experienced bias based on your previous experience. But that raises a question for people who are crossing borders or in foreign situations, in unfamiliar situations. What about bias when we're in an unfamiliar environment? Well, that brings us to part three. Take your bias abroad.
if you're walking down the street in a foreign country that you're just visiting for the first time, you know, you hear the sounds and you see the sights and you look around and you notice all these differences and it's very exciting, it's very stimulating, but that is a lot of information and a lot of experience for your mind to process. So we are particularly vulnerable to biases in foreign situations, not just because we're tired, but because there are many things we don't understand. It can be hard to interpret things. We don't know how to make sense of things. We, we easily jump to conclusions. And especially when we're under stress or mentally tired, you know, we're even more susceptible to bias and to make those neg negative judgments. And we all do it. <laughs> Let's not pretend we don't. Right. Oh, I'm Mr. International. I never, I never no, make exactly. any negative judgments. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's be honest. You know, we all do. We are all ethnocentric. This just means that we judge things from our own cultural perspective based on our experience up to that point. I mean, how could it be any other way? When I came to Japan, I came with my American cultural glasses Everything I saw was filtered through my experience as an American. So I was in Japan having an American experience of Japan. So we can never completely eliminate ethnocentrism because our experience is limited, but we can learn to see the world with new cultural glasses You add new perspectives. It's like learning a foreign language. You add another dimension to how you communicate or how you see things. So ethnocentrism is, I guess, the most important natural bias that cultural bridge people need to be aware of. But there are many other cognitive biases that we need to know about. The, my favorite, or favorite one that yes, is really favorite, <laughs> favorite one <laughs> I mean one that's really <laughs> okay. one that's interesting it's interesting for me is the fundamental attribution error and this is something that all internationalists should know about the fundamental attribution error it causes us to evaluate other people or the behavior of other people as though it's caused by some essential quality, personality, or character. And we tend to downplay or ignore situational factors. And that's important in a foreign situation because we're always trying to figure out other people's behavior. So I'm living in Japan, and I teach a lot of non-Japanese students who come to Japan, and they take classes with Japanese students, and they'll say something like, well, you know, why don't uh, Japanese students raise their hands in class? I guess, you know, they're shy. But Japanese are not shy. Japanese have a reserved communication style, but in a Japanese classroom, it's not typical to raise your hand. That is situational. And so, but the foreign students see this behavior and they assume that this behavior is caused by some inner quality of shyness in Japanese people. And that tendency to define things in terms of this inner quality is the fundamental attribution error. And you also hear it with someone who says, oh, the locals were so friendly. 
They're so nice. Well, what does that mean that they're friendly? You need to pay attention to the situation. And were you a customer? Were you staying at an expensive hotel? You need to judge things contextually. So that's one of the biases that I think is really interesting. Do you have a, a favorite? <laughs> oh, favorite. It still sounds awkward to me, you know, but <laughs> in the context of bias. No, but, but whereas my fascination is each and every time towards us and them, towards in-group and out-group. Right. That's really what I found intriguing. And uh, so there you have this tandem, actually, which is called the in-group heterogeneity and the out-group homogeneity. So what we do, we often perceive our in-groups, us, as more heterogeneous, uh, more diverse. We, we are more layered. We, we understand it so much better. And on the other side, the out-group uh, homogeneity effect is how it's called, is the perception of those out-group members as more similar to one another than to our in-group members. And what we then typically say is things as, They're all alike. We are diverse. All right. So when you're with a bunch of people that you feel that you share a lot with, that's the in-group, they all seem so diverse and so distinct and so unique. But when it's the other, uh, they all seem kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. I think Americans are actually <laughs> particularly susceptible to this idea of, you know, oh, we're all unique. Me and all my friends, we're all unique. We have this obsession with, you know, defining ourselves as unique. So we tend not yeah. to see what's similar. And it's the others that uh, that uh, seem to be the same. It's amazing how that works. And it, in deep, in depth, it comes from the us, them, and the in-group, out-group divisions that we easily make. It comes also from brain-mind science, of course. And this is also made stronger because we have a natural bias to be comforted by what's familiar and to find things that are unfamiliar to be tiring or even threatening. So there's a lot of feeling of having to manage the unknown Uh, we've all heard of cultural stress or culture shock when we're in an unfamiliar environment. We get <laughs> tired psychologically. Uh, that's what happens when, our, when we're overloaded. And so our reactions to a foreign place depend on how we feel at that moment and on our past experience. Yeah, I remember, for instance, when my American homestay sister came over to Europe and she was so excited, but then she got so homesick and, and I felt sorry for her, you know, and the unfamiliar was really stressful for her. And in the end, she wanted to go to McDonald's, so <laughs> we went. <laughs> and so we visited the McDonald's in Paris and later on in Porto, in Portugal, and later on in Salamanca in Spain. <laughs> and then after all, that was about 10 days time, uh, then it was over. Then so, we could eat paella and all those things. <laughs> so this was like the McDonald's tour of Europe for your whole yeah. American well, homestay It was sister. a challenge for me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But after yeah. 10 days, she started to feel more at ease yeah exactly yeah. well i i mean i will admit i ate at mcdonald's in hong kong when i was traveling there years ago and i remember feeling a little bit guilty about this i was thinking you know here i am in this exotic place what seemed to me exotic at that time but i just had this there was like this gravitational pull that was 
pulling me towards the familiar. It just felt so comforting to have the familiar. And so it's natural. This is a natural reaction. Uh, culture shock is natural. It's simply an overload of our ability to process and digest our experiences. And the thing that's striking is how these reactions are so typical and so common. And these are not the only ones. Cognitive psychologists, they study all kinds of different biases. And that raises the question of like, well, how many biases are there? What are they? Yeah, what are they? Well, that actually brings us to part four, the wheel of bias. There are so many biases that have been studied. For instance, when you search on Wikipedia on Cognitive Bias Codex, you find this list of 188 cognitive biases <laughs> grouped into categories. And it's an amazing visual that gives a great overview. And it's actually in the shape of a wheel. That's why we call it the wheel of bias. Right. And I really recommend definitely take a look at the Cognitive Bias Codex. It has all of this information about all of these different biases. And it, it arranges them in a way that makes sense based on the limitations of our mental processing. So, for example, one of our limitations is a limited ability to remember. So, what should we remember? So, we have a tendency to edit and reinforce memories afterwards. And we have a tendency to discard specifics and form generalities, which is, for example, prejudice and stereotyping and implicit stereotypes. Those are ways in which we're discarding specifics and forming generalities uh, because we can't remember everything. And another limitation we have is there's just too much information in the world. And so, for example, we tend to notice flaws in others more easily than when we then we notice flaws in ourselves, And we are drawn to details that confirm our own beliefs. And we notice when something has changed. And this happens when we're in a foreign country, right? We notice all this stuff that has changed. Uh, so that's all related to too much information, which is really common uh, in intercultural situations, of course. And then there's not enough meaning in our environment sometimes. We need to make judgments based on limited information. So, you know, we imagine things and people that we're familiar with uh, as better. And, and we simplify numbers to make them easier to think about. And we think that we know what other people are thinking. And these are all biases related to, to meaning. And we need to act fast in the face of uncertainty. So we tend to favor the immediate things that are right in front of us. And we tend to complete things that we've already invested time and energy in. And so in order to be confident that we can make an impact, 
we want to feel that what we're doing is important. And all of these things are related to the need to act fast. So definitely check out this cognitive bias. I've just given you all this information, but if you look at the cognitive bias, you'll see this 188 different ones. It's really an amazing visual. And it's so amazing. It's almost overwhelmingly. And, and but it also raises the question, why does our mind work that way? Yeah, and you know, I guess in one sense it's obvious that our our minds are limited, but in fact it's a, a product of our evolutionary psychology. You know, a bias is really just a systematic tendency to produce a particular outcome. So we're biased towards something. So when we say a casino, for example, is biased in favor of the house, we mean that the rules are set up so that they have a tendency to win. So human biases are a bias towards behavior which results in the survival of the species. Our mind has evolved to work in the way that it does because that is what has allowed us to survive. Yeah. Okay. Well, after having said all of this about the roots of bias, um, about the origin of bias, can we get rid of bias by studying them? Well, no, of course. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm afraid mean, not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the way that we are as human beings. I exactly. mean, bias is bias is not the problem. The ignorance of our biases is the problem. If we don't recognize our biased nature, we fool ourselves. And you know, we accept the illusion that our view of the world is the right one. And we, you know, we look for validation. We want to feel important. We want to be right. And we reject the things that don't make us feel good. Uh, we hate being wrong. So yeah, it's hard to change all that. listening to you and when you say all this it reminds me of another wheel actually and, and that's in essence deals with bias and it's the bhava chakra it, it comes from buddhism it's the buddhist wheel of life um, and it's a famous visualization usually painted on balls or as, as an image on canvas you know oh, right it? I've, i've seen depictions um and it's in a circle and there are animals but i don't really know what the significance is Yeah, and there are many circles. <laughs> it's well, it's a very intriguing wheel of life. That's what it's all about. Um, and but when you look at the core and in the hub of the wheel, there are three animals, and what you see is a pig, a snake, and a rooster, and they are biting each other's tails. And what they represent is the three poisons, and these poisons are ignorance, aversion, and attachment. Okay, so ignorance, aversion, and attachment. So I'm I'm looking at one now, and I see that the snake and the rooster are shown as coming out of the mouth of the pig. Yeah, yeah. it's depicted sometimes in various ways, but that's also what is being said. It indicates that aversion and attachments arise from ignorance, and the snake and the rooster are also shown as grasping the tail of the pig, indicating that they in turn promote greater ignorance. 
so it's self-reinforcing. So ignorance exactly. leads to aversion and attachment, and that yeah. leads to more ignorance, and that leads to more aversion and yeah. attachment. Yeah. So if you don't interfere, <laughs> that's the loop for you're into, and it all relates back to ignorance and. Uh, we feel aversion towards others and the unknown, and we see attachments to our own in-group and the familiar. And ignorance is the basis of all of this. Uh, it's a lack of knowing the world for what it is, actually. So that's what it is. Do we really see what is here? Uh, do we actually see uh, is what is often said. Um, and trying to, to make our own concerns the center of everything. Right. So it's, in fact, trying to make us the center of everything that drives this this whole dynamic and you know that's with unconscious bias or the the kinds of biases that cultural bridge people need it's a, there's a very similar thing it's recognizing that our understanding is limited is this kind of superpower of being a cultural bridge person because when you have foreign experiences, what you discover is your ignorance. And so in that sense, knowledge of bias doesn't solve anything. Knowledge of our ignorance doesn't solve anything, but it does open our eyes to learning. And that's what we want from our intercultural experiences. We want them to enrich us and and help us grow but to do that we have to recognize our own biases and our own ignorance exactly and then just to add on to that let's not forget about compassion uh, also a key teaching of buddhism and many religious and philosophical traditions and you and i have already been talking about empathy uh, so it's all related here it is all related, isn't it? Because when we when we're keeping ourselves at the center of everything, it's harder to to feel compassion, and because compassion is reaching out to others. So, wow, Yvonne, we have really <laughs> covered a lot of territory today. <laughs> all of a sudden, we are here. Not only one wheel, but also two wheels. <laughs> right. We we start with uh, you know cognitive psychology and 188. Uh, cognitive biases in the codex and we end up with ignorance and uh, pigs and snakes and roosters. Uh, it has been a wonderful conversation with you today, Yvonne, but I think it's about time for us to end. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yes, let's wrap up indeed. So the Teep Culture Podcast is sponsored by the Japan Intercultural Institute, an NPO dedicated to intercultural education and research. I'm the director of JII. If you're interested in culture and the mind, check out JII's Brain, Mind, and Culture Masterclass. Yvonne and I are facilitating that. And it's a blended learning course. It's an online community full of cultural bridge people from all over the world. And we learn about uh, brain, mind, and culture. To find out more, just do a web search for the Japan Intercultural Institute. And Yvonne, we're going to be starting a new round in May. Looking forward to that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If you liked today's episode, we'd really love to hear from you. Leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or write us at dcpodcasts 
at japanintercultural.org. We'd like to thank our sound engineer, Robinson Fritz, and everyone at JII. And thanks to you, Yvonne, for sharing this time with me. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you again next time.